Want to make a podcast? Spotify's got a platform that lets you make one super easily, then distribute it everywhere and even earn money. All in one place for free. It's called Spotify for Podcasters and here's how it works. Spotify for Podcasters lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or your computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating a podcast today. Then you can distribute your podcast to Spotify and everywhere else podcasts are heard. Video podcasts are also available on Spotify and when you want to take conversations with your fans to the next level, Q&A and polls are the best way to get them talking. With Spotify for Podcasters, you can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. And best of all, it's totally free with no catch. Ever since I discovered Spotify for Podcasters, I love engaging with my audience with the Q&A and the polls. And I also love the fact that I can upload my video podcast on Spotify because I know my audience love watching it sometimes when they're traveling on their commute. I highly recommend you give it a try and you can download the Spotify for Podcasters app or go to www.spotify.com forward slash podcasters to get started. Ben Francis, Mm -hmm. welcome to Millennial Mind. Thank you. Thank you for having me here. This is a true honor to be in the Gymshark HQ and I mean, I'm just amazed at what you've built. Mm -hmm. Reading your stats online is incredible, but coming here and seeing the environment you've built, seeing how happy everyone is, by the way. I feel like I'm at uni, where it's it's like a campus, and the sun is shining, and everyone's smiling, and there's everything going on. Monday, we've got all the guys up from London, so yeah, it's a nice day to be here. You need need a tour of the entire place. You haven't seen the whole place yet. I'm excited. I'm going to see it after this. But, you know, Gymshark is a global brand now, Mm -hmm. and you founded it when you were 19. Yeah. It's now worth 1.25 billion. Mm Mm-hmm. And you have over 900 employees. Mm -hmm. And the one thing that when I speak to entrepreneurs, when they say they started a business, was they had a purpose. So what was your purpose? What was your reason? And what was your why for starting Gymshark? For starting. To be honest, it's a bit bit of a weird one. So when, and I was just talking to the, funnily enough, I had a similar question from the the London team on this. Um, So as a kid, I wanted to, my dream was to play for Villa, right? Growing up around here, I wanted to be a footballer, I wanted to play for Villa. But you realise fairly quickly as a kid, whether or not you're going to be pro, right? Because kids yeah. go into academies very young now, um, and uh, yeah, I quickly realised that I wasn't going to, I wasn't going to do that. I wasn't going to play for Villa. So what I, um, what I did is I ended up falling in love with a gym, and that right. that was that was a really big moment for me because before the gym, I wasn't like amazingly brilliant at school. I wasn't terrible. I was just getting sort of average grades. Right. And and then when I joined the gym, I think the consistency and the lessons that I learned in the gym, the people I started to surround myself to myself with mm-hmm. um funnily enough taught me that structure that discipline and things that I probably hadn't had ingrained into me quite as much as you know the gym really like nailed that into me yeah um so then I just to be honest wanted to be involved in fitness by any means necessary interestingly I wasn't I wasn't actually directly immediately attracted to the product as in apparel right. because we sold supplements I did fitness apps I did fitness forums I did all these different things and then fell onto apparel and screen printing and sewing and all of these things by chance so I think the the why was all around just being involved in fitness because fitness had changed my life so much it turned me from a you know like a d student into an a student I'd gotten into university all because of fitness in the gym it's interesting you touch on university because you've just been awarded a doctorate, right, from mm-hmm. Aston University. Yeah. But it's really interesting to me that you say the gym gave you those habits. Yeah. The gym gave you that motivation. The gym gave you that discipline. Yeah. Do you think going to university is the right option at the moment, considering so many entrepreneurs are finding their own path in different ways? Um, 
Yeah, I'm, I'm, listen, I'm certainly not against uni. I think mm-hmm. there's there's this, like, I do think there's, you see it all on social media, there's this growing trend of, like, this, like, I don't know, anti-universities right. and, like, people, like, just go off and do it. And I, and I get it, right? So, yes. like, logically, it makes sense. If you want to start a business, why would you not go and start a business? But I, I do think that there's, there's great utility in university. And my time at university helped me greatly because, again, I met, people that I never would have met um you you get thrown into a you know a new environment with people from all the sorts of different places whereas when I was at school obviously it was only like local people from around from around here Mm -hmm. um and so I think yeah for me university taught me lots of things and I was quite lucky because so I went to uh, Aston in Birmingham Mm -hmm. and the the thing is with the course that I did is they did a common first year for all business students so I did modules in business management in like maths in law in accountancy and even though at the time that like irritated me to death right I was like why why am I doing accountancy I don't want anything to do with this why am I doing intellectual property law like let me go and do something fun right yeah but it actually really helped me because when I came to starting the business I had that base knowledge that I could then apply and like I actually did some of the initial uh applications for some of the first Gymshark trademarks not very well I'm wow. not going to sit here and yeah, say yeah. I did a good job of it but <laughs> I did it um, and I think some of that basic knowledge and accountancy knowledge came from university so so that helped me and the other thing that university did and this is more of a societal issue I would say is it bought me time mm. like because I'd worked so hard to get into university like so so hard I'd given so much to get in I guess there was this implied thing that I was going to go and, I, and obviously I did go mm-hmm. um but if I didn't go to university, then like, what was I doing? Do you know what I mean? You almost have to be on this path, right? So because I was at university, I almost had this free pass then right. to like in my spare time, mess around and do whatever I want on websites, pizza, Absolutely. all these things. But then if anyone asks, it's like, yeah, I'm a university student. Yeah, yeah. I'm studying, so it's cool. Um, so that, that actually really helped me. And like I said, I met some really cool people who I, I still stay in touch with to this day. I, I agree with you. I think university gives you some sort of structure, mm. right? And I was like you, I hate, well, I actually hated my course. I was doing studied law. And yeah. I remember when I think back at university, all I think about is late nights in the library and me crying every day. Yeah. But it gave me resilience. Yes. And I always think now, you know, if I could get through that, I can yeah. get through anything. And I hated it, but I continued it and I persevered yeah. and I achieved it. So with anything that I do now, I always look back and think, I did do it, even though I had absolutely no clue. And yeah. there were moments, I remember one time when um, I was walking out the library, I had an exam the next day, right. and I bumped into a friend and they mm-hmm. said, uh, are you prepared for tomorrow? What questions have you got? And I said, well, I've revised these two things. And I said, didn't you come to the lecture? She mm. said, that that's not being included in the paper. Yeah. And my heart sunk. And I remember in that night, I had to just memorize and cram. Yeah, yeah. And that state of panic always helps me get through moments in life where I think I'm not going to make it. I'm not, yeah. I don't have time to do it, but I did it. Yeah. And so I think it builds you and it gives you that resilience and it makes you like work really hard in moments where you think you can't push yourself anymore. Yeah, and I think it's that, that first time in your life where it's a case of it's sort of similar to the gym and again i didn't finish uni so i'm not mm-hmm. exactly an authority on it but it feels like you get out of it what you put in 100%. and it's the first time in your life where you're not being told be at this lesson at this time or exactly. else and you have to do this homework or else it's a bit like yeah. there's the cause you're paying you're paying for it. it's costing you an yeah. arm and leg so if you don't do nothing then that's on you right so i think Absolutely. that that was interesting like uh, similarly to you i didn't did i particularly enjoy the over like did I enjoy it did I mm-hmm. do I look back and think yes I would do that again I, I would do it again mm-hmm. but I it didn't like identify with me but that's that's because I think the way that academics at school as well that never really hit home with me yeah the, the, there are a few periods and moments through university and school which did really resonate with me and that was the um so I did a BTEC in IT right that was really important to me because I had great teachers and because it was a lot more practical and for right. me I'd rather 
do something than talk about it Same. and I learn and I'm more interested in things that I can just do. So mm-hmm. again, rather than talking to me about computers, give me a computer and, and I can mess around with it and learn with it myself. That that was important for me. Um, I think IT was also a really pivotal moment for me. And I, I honestly, I, I do count myself so lucky to have this opportunity because a lot of kids don't. But as part of that IT course, I got access to... Um, uh, Photoshop, Dreamweaver, Illustrator, and a bunch of programs, basically the Creative Suite 5, I think it was at the time, Okay. Um, that I never would have had access to. And those were some of the tools that I then used to help build Gymshark and articulate my ideas, design product, logos, all these different things. So mm-hmm. so that was important to me as well. So there's, there was moments in sort of like education that really meant a lot to me and were, were genuinely life-changing. Right. Um, but also there, were, there was areas which I just didn't particularly enjoy, probably more of the exam-based stuff. I agree with you, and I think the reason for that is when you go to school and you go to university, you're often learning to memorize yeah. and to pass a test. Mm-hmm. You're not learning because you really enjoy it. And I mm-hmm. found that when I went back to Warwick to do a diploma, mm-hmm. there was no tests. But you was at Warwick. Yeah, so you're I was just at down Warwick. the road from here. Yeah, yeah exactly. nice, nice. I actually worked in Solihull when I was yeah. at Warwick at Hollister, uh-huh. so I'm quite familiar with the area. The one in Touchwood. Uh, Touchwood. Yeah. Oh, okay, nice, nice. But when I went back to Warwick, I went to work at Eon, which is an energy company, and yeah. they sent us on this diploma, and it was at yeah. Warwick again. And I thought, oh my god, I'm not going. But this whole course was just about learning. Yeah. And so what you do, you learn, you would learn a principle, and mm-hmm. then you'd apply it. Mm-hmm. whilst you didn't have any tests yeah. and I thrived in that and I think that's what we really need to encourage in the education system as well is what are you actually learning what do you enjoy how can you grow and then yeah. how can you apply it but I want to actually go back to you building Gymshark so mm-hmm. I know you've built other companies and you built loads of apps before that yeah but talk to me about when you first started Gymshark why the name this is such a boring answer so the, <laughs> the name was just because so there was several apps several websites and and it was a case of the actual sort of like the, the, the MO in my head was I want to make a website that will transact, right? right. So I've never made a website or an app that had sold anything or could sell anything. Um, so that was the objective. And this is something that I sort of I talk a lot about in terms of like just set the bar incredibly low. Like I said, there wasn't, there wasn't an ambition here to start a billion dollar brand or a international brand or anything like that. It was website that will transact. So right. that, that was all it was. And... And I'd seen like an American mascot that was like a it was like a cheetah or a tiger or something, and it was all muscular. And I remember thinking, I'd imagine if that was a shark. And it was as simple as that, to be honest. And on GoDaddy, the, web, uh, the domain was three pounds fifty. It was right. cheap and it was easy and it was short because again, the shorter domain name, the cooler it looks. Um, so literally just bought it and, and went from there, to be honest. So well, there wasn't like mass mass inspiration behind the name, but you know, as the brand grew, it just stuck. So talk to me about your first day of starting it. I wouldn't be able to remember the first day. It, honestly, it would have been the most mundane and boring day ever. I think it, it was just a case of, again, making a website that would transact. I, could, I mean, I've still got the first transaction, the test transaction I made wow. back in the day, saved on my phone. Because um, it was, I mean, Gymshark's 10 years old, right? But we, we, I was messing around with the website well before that. Because obviously mm. it took time to build and, and actually get a sale. It didn't become a private company until probably four, five, six months after the website was made. So wow. to be honest, the first day would have been fairly boring. Just make the website. And then no one went on it for like months. Like no one visited the website for months. Started the Facebook uh, page and all these things. Start posting. Mm-hmm. Um, I did the test order to make sure it would work. I'll have to have a look. I don't know what the time difference was. But I did the test order. Then just like nothing happened. And right. then I think I did another test order because there'd been nothing that had happened for so long. <laughs> And then I think I, I think I did either two or three test orders, and then eventually someone made an order, and I was like, oh, right. "Okay, okay, it is working. Yeah, someone yeah, has someone yeah. has done it." So did you do this alone? 
No, so I'd started the business with a friend of mine called Lewis. Okay. So it was me and him. Okay. Uh, and there was a group of us and we did all sorts of different things. Like, But we were all massively into the gym. Right, you're all into it. Yeah. It's interesting because I'm starting, I've obviously quit my job now. Yep. And I have my own business. Yep. And I often think, how do you hire the first person? Right? How do you make that first it's move? always family member or friend. Yeah. <laughs> As, uh, mine was my brother. Really? Yeah. And yep. how was that dynamic? Uh, fine, to be honest, because he was he was in a place where... He, I think he's a couple of years younger than me, so he just finished school and he um, he was umming and ahhing as to whether to go to university or, or not, and he didn't know whether he wanted to. Right. Um, so I said to him, "Why well, just come and work for Gymshark for a few months, see how you get on, and you know, if 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 you don't like it, then you can go off." And he was considering travelling Australia and all that sort of stuff, um, right. or go to university. Um, and he never left. So that was it, really. And then uh, you know, it's then it's like close friends, and then it develops yeah. into like then like friends that are slightly you know more on the periphery but then have more of a skill set and then it's, mm-hmm. you've, you hire like people that you don't know that have gone for, you in, for an interview process and it just sort of develops over time so you said Gymshark is 10 years old yeah and you've obviously scaled the company significantly from yeah. when you first started from an outside perspective when you're scaling and you're growing it's mm-hmm. amazing yeah but from an internal perspective often it can be overwhelming mm-hmm. yeah how did you manage that um well you're right. So on the outside, it looks, I think it's like we use the analogy, like the duck uh, above water looks so calm and right. or the swan. And then below, you've got the little feet paddling away. And I think that's what Gymshark's very much been like. And obviously, the earlier days are far more chaotic than the later days because you bring infrastructure in and foundational teams and things like that, which really helps. But I'd be kidding if I said that it was anything other than extremely, extremely difficult. It's like this mm-hmm. weird like mix of hands down by far and it continues to be the most biggest and most difficult thing I've ever done in my life the biggest challenge of my life mm-hmm. but then is this thing where it's like also the most enjoyable thing and I wouldn't do any other job yeah. so it's this like weird like mix of, of so many different things and even like coming into this job which I've now been doing just over a year as CEO that that's like a different world to what I was doing previously as well so right. for me it's amazing because I, I do I, I, I do enjoy change and you know growth and all these things i'm massively into self-development i talk a lot about that yeah so for me for me gymshark has been amazing because there's been so many facets of the business that i've been able to jump into and learn and explore different parts of the Mm -hmm. world that i've been able to spend time different people that i've been able to meet um but yeah growing a business is is incredibly incredibly difficult and by the way not just on the founder the ceo but on the entire team it's a very very difficult place to be because because what you are is you're you're betting and hoping on a probability that is you know the outcome is low right the the likelihood is is that i want gymshark to be one of the most iconic brands on planet earth right um and that's really important to me and i I think we've got a clear pathway as to how we do it but there are infinite challenges and and you know things that we need to like challenges that we need to overcome in order to achieve that and i think that's that's um that's an interesting thing to experience on a daily basis. And even this morning driving to work, I was thinking, right, because like change over, you know, every day for a week or so is, you know, you can get around it. And then change every day for a month. At that point, it starts to get a bit like, you know, a bit more difficult. And then change every day for a year. At that point, it's hard. Change every day for three, five, <laughs> six, eight, ten years. At that point, like you just have to get used to constant, constant change. 100%. Um, and it's more of that like mindset shift that again, everyone in the business has to be in this point of change, of problem solving, all the while of this day zero attitude that we talk a lot about at Gymshark. Um, 
And I think it's a very different mindset to maybe what it would be like at a more established company. And I, I know that not because I've worked at massive established companies, but because we've had people that have come in and, and have fed that back as I've joined the business. I was a change consultant at Atos, and my mm -hmm. job was purely to go into organizations and manage change. Yes. And now one of the things I do is I speak at big corporations. Yep. And the thing that I think is missing the most is strengths-based leadership. Mm -hmm. And by that, I don't necessarily mean talking about your strengths and weaknesses yep. only. I mean, the analogy I always give is each employee is mm -hmm. a puzzle piece. Yeah. And together, they make a piece of a puzzle. Yeah. And that puzzle is your vision. Mm -hmm. It's your company. And it's your values. Now, I think what people miss is taking a step back from that puzzle piece. Yeah. And looking at that puzzle and saying, where are my gaps? Yeah. Where do I have excess pieces? And mm -hmm. how do I piece everyone together? Yeah. And like you said, change. People do not like change. I know because I've worked in massive yeah. companies and I would always say to my team, how do we change their mindsets to essentially love this chaotic, yeah. chaos, new, exciting movement every day that's happening? And you need a certain kind of employee to want to work with you on yeah. that. How do you actually identify the gaps in your missing puzzle piece? And how oh did you God. actually let go of people who were I would say as an excess puzzle piece. Yeah, uh, again, that that's hard, and I think that's something that's learned. And I definitely don't think we've perfected it yet. And I mean, listen, there's been people that have left Gymshark from from day dot. Right, we've had ten right. years of people leaving Gymshark. Clearly, we've we've grown the business dramatically. Mm -hmm. um, I think again, I think we're still working on it. I think it's important to have open conversations. We'll have lots of regular. Like, I'll have open conversations with the people that I work with as to right. the future of the business. What I guess I need from them. They'll have conversations about what they need from me. Mm -hmm. um, and like I said, even for the best of people, the people that are the most used to and capable of managing change, when it happens at the scale that we've experienced, going from naught to the you know where we are now, um, it's hard for even the best of people. Right. So I think openness is really important. And like I said, that's openness on an individual level, but openness on a mass level. So just coming out of the the, the conversation with the Regent Street store. First thing I said was, if you expect to walk into a nice, shiny, polished, finished and perfectly working machine, mm -hmm. uh, I said, Gymshark is not the right place for you. Day one. This is the first day together in the office. Gymshark is not the right place for you if you want that. So I think just level set those expectations immediately. Right. This is going to be... This is Gymshot's first ever permanent store. Yeah. There will think there will be things that will go wrong. It's a change in our business model. It's a change in our approach. And it's, it's just something that we've never done. And as a result of that, I think you need to prep and ready people for that well in advance of it actually happening and again like really instill that we need to be solving these problems together so right. if again if someone comes into the store and they say i can't believe that this isn't there or this isn't working because at my old job this was right like st standing around moaning isn't going to help but like we need to work together as a team as to how we solve that and create those systems processes whatever it is so that we can get onto that level because whilst gymshark is great at certain things and we've grown a brilliant brand and culture and product um again we've never run a store and we're going to make some simple errors and mistakes and we need to pull together and solve those problems and why did you decide to open a store because your whole ethos and actually it's really funny when i was working at eon mm -hmm. we were creating a digital product mm -hmm. and people from eon came to gymshark yeah. to learn from you i don't know if you remember mm -hmm. they actually spoke yeah. to you and they spoke to you around how you've created a product solely online and how you manage your customers mm -hmm. and how you digitize an entire process yeah so why did you then move from that model to then opening a store on one of the busiest streets in london okay so that first and foremost this whole thing about gymshark just being online it's like right. that's gymshark's greatest lie right. like genuinely because what people forget is the the first time gymshark had a moment mm -hmm. 
was at the Body Power event in Birmingham, right? Right. The next time Gymshark had a moment was at the Cologne event in a FIBO event in uh, Cologne, Germany. Gymshark right. had moments in Ohio, in uh, Columbus, Ohio, in Los Angeles, California, in Melbourne, Australia. Gymshark's right. moments more often than not the good ones are in person right like i mean we, we we've had mess ups online uh 2015 we messed up in black friday there's there's lots of things that uh, you know and and like i said like gymshark is seen by the masses online million well hundreds of millions of people visit the website every single year mm-hmm. and whilst that's that's what people see i think the thing that has made gymshark special is that blend of the two the online the offline the community that that both exists in the gym and at these events and will mm-hmm. exist at the regent street store and combining that with uh you know the different apps that we run the website that we run and i think that that's really important that whilst people do look at that almost that big shiny penny of the gymshark website that gets all this traffic there's yeah. there's so much more that 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 leads to that Right. And so what was the decision about opening a store in London? So the the decision about opening the store. So we've wanted to do this for years. We've wanted to do this for a long time. And there's the sort of several, and I won't go into detail yet because I want want the store to launch. I want it to be a bit of a surprise. Um, So there's several different almost like segments of this store that I think make it really special. Okay. And the, the, the plan was over a two to three year period, we're going to test all these different things. And we'd actually, we'd opened up a 30 day test in Covent Garden. That was basically just there as a test to run our own retail store to see to see how it would perform, to see how we could manage it, managing right. stock, managing staff, all these different things. Um, unfortunately, two weeks in, the you know uh, lockdown happened, pandemic came in, we had to close mm-hmm. the store. And the whole idea was over that period, if the pandemic didn't happen, we would try lots of different things. We got a very much a what we call a test and learn mentality, which again is like it's a common phrase generally yeah. used at Gymshark. Um, however, during the pandemic everything changed shops were closing and it just wasn't the time to go into retail right right and in typical gymshark fashion when everyone else is coming out that's when we get interested and think is there an opportunity to go in here right. and again don't don't get me wrong there's like touch wood this will this will work well and i think it will i, I see a, a brilliant store that's being built in front of me mm-hmm. um and we yeah we thought like let's let's give it a go let's give it a shot and and the guys were actually in london looking for an office there's three or four of them doing a bit of a tour of uh, of, of central london and they were looking for an office and then they, they saw this this store, which is on Regent Street, which is right. I think the most iconic street in London, possibly even the most iconic street in, in Europe, right? It's I would it's agree. a beautifully curated street. The architecture is gorgeous, the location is perfect, it's the even the surrounding brands, the area, like the walkability, it's got everything, the heritage. Um and the guys were there. And it was one of the, I don't know if they always do this or not, but one of them sent me a video, right? And they were like, this store's available. And they pan around and you can see that sort of, you know, the curve. I don't yes. know what they call it, where yeah, it curves yeah. around. They had all the Union Jacks across the top. And they said, this store's available. And um, I think we can make it make sense, like mm-hmm. financially, commercially for the brand. I remember thinking, not a chance. Like a brand of our size should, wouldn't be able to do that. Um and we actually worked really closely with the Crown Estate, and I think they they were super helpful, right? Because the Crown owns the vast majority right. of the stores on Regent Street, and I think they were they were super supportive in the fact that Gymshark is a British brand, yeah. you know. And I and again, we want to be that iconic British mm-hmm. fitness brand. Um, and yeah, I mean, they helped us out, and we've we've managed to agree terms, and we got to a point where everyone was happy, and Amazing. now everyone's just excited about building the best store that we possibly can. So it was a bit of a moment in time, and I think. Funnily enough, if the pandemic didn't happen, mm-hmm. whilst it sort of was a massive, it, it caused lots of difficulties in our plans. I don't think we'd be open this, opening this store if it didn't happen. So I'm so excited. It's gonna, yeah. It is going to be iconic. And it is incredible to see a British brand mm. there with a massive store, right? It's huge. So I'm very, very, very excited. 
In 2015, you took a step back from being Gymshark CEO because yes. you felt at that time you weren't the best person for that role. Uh-huh. A lot of people in that situation, mm-hmm. number one, wouldn't have the self-awareness to understand that position. Mm-hmm. But even if they did, mm-hmm. they wouldn't have the mindset to allow them to make that decision yeah. because I think there's a fear of loss of control, mm-hmm. but also a loss of importance. How did you allow your ego to not take over in that moment? So there's a, there's a few factors at play here. So one, I was I felt like there was clearly a better person to do the job than me. So I think that was mm-hmm. one. I think the, the love for the business and everyone that was a part of the business and the, 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 the desire for them to be successful. Mm-hmm. And like I said, the, the love for the brand as well. Because the love for the individuals in the business and then the brand and all these different things, they're mm-hmm. sort of slightly, slightly different. And uh, I was desperate for the business to succeed. And I was well aware, even at that point, that this was a once in a lifetime opportunity. And I'm still like very, very, very aware of that now. Right. That like things like this, brands like this don't just pop up every, like regularly, like they don't. And particularly for us to have achieved what we've achieved to start from the West Midlands, again, love the West Midlands, but it's not, you know, full of rapid growth, large scale startups and things like that. So for us to have achieved what we would achieve to that point was even then incredibly unique. Right. Um, so I think I think it was a combination of things. I think it was my love for the brand, my love for the people who were in the business, but also that knowledge that Steve was the right person to do the job. And I was in this weird point of like confliction between double down on your strengths or do I focus on and learn and grow my weaknesses? Yeah. And up until up until that point, I'd I'd had to pick one or the other. And this was a really unique situation that I found myself in where Looking back, I now realize I didn't actually have to choose one or the other. Because Steve would manage the business, right. I could almost do both, right? So I could double down on the brand and the product and things like that. But I could also like test myself in finance and in operations and areas where I wasn't as strong and fail almost without consequence because him and the people around me would then help support me. So I got the, the luxury and pleasure that I think very few people get of I had time to both manage my strengths and focus on my strengths but also work on my weaknesses and there was this like it's almost like I said about university university is this period where you've got like like a like a free pass to almost within reason outside of outside of your studies do whatever you want and I felt Mm -hmm. I had that again but in a real business context where it was both high stakes enough for me to you know be super aware of what I was doing but also I had the support around me to um to know that the whole house of cards wasn't going to fall down if if I made like one particular mistake where I had the support where people would at least help me so I, I sort of had the best of both worlds and I think that's a really unique position that I was very lucky to find myself in um, and it was great actually because leading up to where I am today which is in the CEO job myself mm-hmm. during that period I got to work with like I managed directly the product team the tech right. team the brand team and I got to sit in factories and build product I got to go to all the different events I got to you know visit the Facebooks and Googles of this world and like that like that experience for me, being able to literally travel the world, manage teams, and and do all that with the support of the the great group around me was, yeah, it was it was amazing. And the, I guess the older I get, the more I realise it was unique. I mean, I think it's phenomenal that you took that step mm. because what I'm hearing from you is you have this continuous drive to learn and yes. this continuous drive to be better. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people in your position who had already built a million dollar brand at this point, yeah, would have just said, well, it's going well. 
I, I, I'm, I'm doing okay. I don't need to take that step back and learn so much and be the best in everything. Yeah. And I think that's why Gymshark will be the most iconic brand in the UK because you can see that through mm -hmm. everything that you're doing. One of the things I wanted to ask you was how you manage your relationships. Mm -hmm. Because from every entrepreneur I've spoken to, from every person on this podcast I've spoken to, they're successful in their own right, yeah. but they've had to sacrifice a great deal. Mm -hmm. Robin, your wife, yeah. she is successful in her own right. Yeah. And I'm sure there's days in which you're hitting your goals, you've reached this massive milestone and she's feeling low. Mm -hmm. And there's days where she's come home incredibly happy that something great has happened. Yeah. And you're feeling really low. Yeah. And it's very difficult to be in sync in any relationship with your highs and lows. Yeah. So how do you both manage that with each other? Well, first and foremost, so yeah, she's, so she or she was massively on YouTube. She ran her own business. She was yeah. incredibly successful across social media. And, and I mean, listen, her content was absolutely brilliant and um, very much fitness oriented. She ended up getting uh, involved in Gymshark and became a Gymshark athlete. And, and that's, that's how we essentially met. Right. Um, Fast forward to today, being like what in our thirties and married, it this is a weird one. I, I I don't really talk too much about this, but we we were faced with a bit of a decision where like something had to give in mm. a way. Like she couldn't necessarily be doing all the things that she was doing. And I was doing all the things that I was doing right. because we were we would almost have ended up living two separate lives. So I am so lucky in the sense that she slowed down her business. Right and focus on her business so that I was able to do and focus on the things that I was doing at my business. And she now, she's, like I said, so supportive and she is my rock and she helps manage like everything that we do at home and things like that. Mm -hmm. And she's super proud of that. And, and so she should be, she's absolutely brilliant. Um, and yeah, I think like it is tough. It is really tough. And, and I had, um, I had some amazing advice actually. We worked, we worked a bit with, uh, Karen Brady, who's, absolutely like she's she's lovely um i'm she's she's absolutely brilliant really intelligent as well mm -hmm. she actually gave me some advice and she said she talked about she asked that question she's like how how is your relationship with your wife and she said just make sure that you're like on this path together because what you can't have is me flying around the world doing all these things and then yep. robin either flying around the world or staying at home like we have to be on this journey together because otherwise we'll just and we'll be two people that just have our own separate lives absolutely. doing our own separate things with our own separate groups and and that really stuck with me. So even now, like Robin will often travel with me. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll do most things together. Um, and also I think just little things like protecting weekend time, yeah. I think is important. But I guess having those defined roles really, really helped us. Like genuinely, it really, really helped us. And it's created an environment where as a group and as a family unit, we're mm -hmm. achieving a, even more, significantly more than what we was previously. Together. Mm. It's interesting you say protecting weekend times mm -hmm. and protecting some evenings, because one of the things I struggle with at the moment, and I think a lot of entrepreneurs struggle with in the beginning, is you're obsessed with your work. Yes. You love it, mm -hmm. you're passionate about it, and I want to do it 24 seven. Mm -hmm. And recently I've been feeling a bit scared, because when I am somewhere, I'm like, I just want to go home. I just want to yeah. be on my laptop. Yeah. And it's also muddled with this term around, you know, glamorizing overworking, which mm -hmm. is what everyone's saying at the moment. And it's yeah. difficult <clears throat> because I've heard you say this and, I, and I've experienced it myself. Every successful person, none of them have got to the position where they are today by working nine to five. Yes. And Correct. how do you create that balance of working incredibly hard every day and living in a state of chaos? I think it helps that I'm up early. I'm normally, I'm early into the office and, and that's not because of, you know, some... <laughs> 
like you know online motivational stuff i just enjoy i just genuinely enjoy getting up early it's it's i it's what i like uh i like to be in early um i like to be in bed early as well i think I think managing time is really important and being strict with time. And again, I've, I've learned, going back to that period of just being so fortunate to be around great people, I've mm-hmm. learned very much from watching. And I don't even know if he knows this. I don't think I've ever told him. But we were we work very closely with Shopify. Shopify provide all of our e-commerce solutions. They're right. massive, massive fan of their brand. And we did an event in uh, Germany. Uh, and Harley, at the time, was the COO of the business. I think he's now the president and just watching him manage his time um whether it was him managing his time or working with at the time i think his chief of staff watching him manage his time was incredibly uh like inspirational and it really educated me on genuine genuine time management and he wasn't spending his time on anything that he shouldn't have been and even little things like mm-hmm. we went out for food of an evening and and he said i, I need to be back in my room at 9 p.m because i need to prepare for tomorrow yeah and like clockwork at eight fifty nine. He stands up from the table. He says goodbye, right. good night to everyone. He goes back and he does his work. Rather than, like most people would be, oh, another half an hour, another Absolutely. 45 minutes, this, that, or the other. I'm having a really good time. He just managed his time so well. And that just made me think, you know, I think I could do much better of managing my time. And mm-hmm. and then there's little daily things that I'll try and do, which is more trying to try and eke more out of each day, whether it's more shorter meetings rather than longer meetings, mm-hmm. you know, prep before so that, again, the meeting itself is shorter and more to the point. Like things like that really help. Um, but yeah, again, like I think for me, managing time is incredibly important. I think it's probably not spoken about enough. It's not. And I have a performance planner for you today, which is something I designed. Okay. Nice. And in one of them, in every day, you time block. Yeah. And the reason why I started time blocking is my auntie, Rashma, she's the founder of Girls Who Code. Yeah. And my mom said when they met her for breakfast one time, mm-hmm. she they got to her hotel and she was like, she was so lovely. All the breakfast was already ordered for us. Yeah. And in my head, I'm like, because she didn't have time for you to wait to order. Mm-hmm. And she said, I have an hour and a half. Mm-hmm. And exactly like you said, an hour and a half later, she got up and she left. Yeah. Now, for my mom and her sister, they were like, yeah. that was that was so weird. Like, yeah. And I was Some like- Some people think it can come across as rude at and times. It com- but I think because they know her, yeah. they're like, she works like clockwork. Yeah. And, I'm, and I set that expectation with my friends as well. So mm-hmm. yesterday I had an engagement. Mm-hmm. And I had the option to either stay till 11 o'clock at night mm-hmm. or leave at six o'clock. Mm-hmm. And I set the expectation because I knew I had to come here today and I knew yeah. I had to prep. And my mom was like, but you should have stayed. And I was like, but I have to sacrifice and I want yeah. to sacrifice. Mm-hmm. And I know that if I came home at 11 o'clock, I would have done it, mm-hmm. but I'd probably been a bit more of a mess. Yeah. And I think I always explain to my parents as well, because they're kind of in this phase of, you never come to anything, mm-hmm. you always leave early. And I'm like, but I'm so happy in yeah. doing it. And one day you'll understand why. Yeah. I think, and I, I mean, to be honest, I don't know if it's just me, I, I find pleasure and enjoyment in that in that rigidity Same. of the structure, whereas previously <laughs> as a kid, I just would have hated it. And right. the other thing as well is sort of going high and low. So like managing those those minutes makes a massive difference. But for me, Definitely. if I then zoom out, and I'm again, I'm fortunate enough, I've got a, a, a partner, uh, sort of like a, an EA called Zoe, who, who mm-hmm. sort of partners me in the business. Um, and like at the start of the week, we meet we, we meet on Monday morning. It's like, mm-hmm. right, what three things we're going to nail this week? Like, right. like there's so much going on. There's like 50 things that we need to do. But what three things are we going to nail? Like we are right. not leaving the office on Friday until these three th- things are done. It, it could be as simple as that, right? Yeah. We had that meeting this morning. And um, so, yeah, I think I think just time management is incredibly important. Again, I didn't necessarily learn that through someone t- telling me direct, yeah. but I think just watching successful or high performing or whatever people, I think that that became very obvious to me quite quickly. 
watching people and being surrounded with the right people I've spoken yeah. about so many times changes your life. Yeah. And I feel like since starting this podcast, speaking to incredible people, mm-hmm. it has changed my life. And that's the, really the purpose of this is to share conversations like we've had today. Yeah. But I close every podcast mm-hmm. with a truth or dare. Okay. Which would you like to pick? Uh, <laughs> oh truth. my God, truth. If you said dare, I was going to make you okay. go down to the gym no, and do temple no. up. So Come I'm on. glad you picked truth. What's one of the biggest things you've regretted throughout your career? Regretted? It's going to be a boring answer though. Okay, it's like, it's let's not, do a it's different a, one. So then. it's like not trusting my gut. Like genuinely, I know that sounds really? stupid, right? I, there's the amount of times and it, it keeps happening. It irritates the living daylights out of me because I'll I'll get back in the car after a day at work and I think on that and it could be something big, it could be something small, but night and and this is what so Steve again, I the the sort of outgoing CEO he spoke to me the other day and he said he said. Nine times out of ten, he said, when you trust your gut, you get it right. So Completely just agree. just go with that. And, like, don't overthink things. And, like, I, I'm not prone to overthinking a lot of the time. Right. But then there's certain things that I will, and I think I just need to just, just trust my gut. So there's been times where I haven't, right? We haven't taken the leap that I thought we should have. We haven't done what we what I thought we should have. And and quite frankly, both myself and the business has had to pay as, as a mm-hmm. result of that. So that would be the biggest regret, would be not trusting my gut, I would say. I 100% believe in trusting your gut. I think I'm a bit too in tune with my gut. I'm like, Mm. it doesn't feel right. And for me, energy is really important around different people. Mm -hmm. And often, even when I've recorded a podcast and I don't feel that energy is right, Mm. I'm like, something is off. And and I'm I'm always right. And I feel that your intuition and that feeling in your stomach tells you so much. And often we ignore it because we think with our heads. Mm -hmm. But I'm, I'm a massive empath, so I'm always think with your heart. But thank you so much for having me here today. Thank it's you a for true honour and I'm so grateful that we got to record this episode. Thank you. Thank that you. was good fun. That was, wasn't it? Hey everyone, and thank you so much for listening to this podcast. Wherever you're listening or watching, if you could press the like, follow and subscribe button, it would mean the world to me.